Hey, this is Scott Ardella, author of The Edge of Strength, now available on Amazon, and you're listening to the Ardella Training Podcast, the strength and performance podcast for the serious fitness enthusiast. Now, let's get started with this week's show. Hey, if you're looking for a new high-quality kettlebell, I've got a recommendation for you. My preferred kettlebell brand, due to exceptional quality and outstanding price, is the Rogue Kettlebell, which I personally use. I recommend this brand if you're looking to add kettlebells to your collection or get started with your kettlebell training experience. The shape, the feel, the design, the quality is excellent, and I highly recommend it. To see the exact kettlebell I use, go to ardellatraining.com forward slash kettlebell. Again, that's ardellatraining.com forward slash kettlebell. You won't find a high-quality kettlebell for this price anywhere else. So definitely check it out, guys. Guys, what's up? Welcome to episode number 168 this week with my guest, Sean Stevenson. Guys, this may be one of the best interviews on the show to date. I am totally serious about this. You're going to absolutely love this interview session. There's a ton of knowledge, a ton of actionable advice in this interview. You're going to hear questions and topics that Sean hasn't discussed before. You're going to learn about the most underrated and undervalued habit for better health and performance, and that is the habits that surround quality sleep. And you're going to hear the specific strategies that I took away and applied from Sean's great new book, Sleep Smarter. This is fantastic. Now, before we get started and uh, dive into this interview, quick shout out this week to Dustin Gardner, who recently made a great suggestion for the show. He suggested a show guest that I wasn't aware of. And I think this person is a perfect fit for this podcast. And Dustin, I'm working on setting that up. Hopefully we can make that happen here in the near future. So thank you. And guys, if you have feedback for the show, if there's someone that you want me to interview here on the podcast, let me know. And also let me know what topics you want to hear more of, suggestions, and feedback to make this show better. I'm definitely listening. And this show is about you. It's about building a community of strength. So contact me through the website, ardellatraining.com or on the Facebook fan page, facebook.com forward slash ardellatraining. And finally, I do have some new exciting things coming soon on the show. So stay tuned for that. There are going to be some really innovative episodes coming your way soon in the very near future. So some very cool stuff just around the corner. And as always, if you like the show, if you like the Ardella Training Podcast, and if you like what we're doing, drop in a quick review on iTunes. It's incredibly easy, and uh, it won't take you much time to do, and it helps this show grow. It helps the show to be found every day by new people that uh, become listeners and part of the community here with Ardella Training. So drop in a review and help this show grow, and I would greatly appreciate it. Now, let me tell you about this week's return guest to the podcast. Sean was a previous guest here on the show and I'm totally stoked to have him back. And I had the opportunity to meet Sean in 2015 at a live event. And I can tell you, he is a great person. No doubt. Sean Stevenson is a best-selling author of the new book, Sleep Smarter, which is really a incredible book and an incredible mission that Sean is doing about educating people about the importance of sleep. Sean is also the creator of the Model Health Show, featured as the number one nutrition and fitness podcast in iTunes, and he is a graduate of the University of Missouri-St. Louis with a background in biology and kinesiology. Sean went on to become the founder of Advanced Integrative Health Alliance, a successful company that provides wellness services for both individuals and organizations worldwide. Sean is also a dynamic keynote speaker who has spoken for TEDx, universities, and numerous organizations with outstanding reviews. Once again, guys, this is tremendous information. I encourage you to listen all the way through and take action with the strategies and concepts that we talk about in this week's show. All right, let's do it. Let's jump into the interview this week with Sean. Enjoy. All right, guys, Sean Stevenson is joining me back on the podcast First, Sean, thank you so much for coming back. I know your schedule is probably pretty insane right now with the new book launch. We did the interview not too long ago, a couple of months back. It was episode number 146 here on the Ardella Training Podcast. 
And I want to encourage people to actually go back to that interview if they haven't heard it already, because that has a lot of your backstory. And it was just a great interview session. I got a lot of great feedback on that podcast episode. Again, episode number 146. Now, you've done a lot of interviews at this point about sleep and your new book launch, Sleep Smarter. By the way, congratulations on the book. It's fantastic. I'm going to give some of my insights about the book as we get into the interview here. But I wanted to open up and I wanted to ask you, what's an important question that no one has asked you about yet with all the interviews that you've done about your new book and about sleep in general? Is there something out there that you want to be asked about and no one has has yet to ask? Oh, man. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me back on the show. And also, I thank you for the appreciation and props on the book. As you know, it was a labor of love, to say the least, you know, to put it together in the in the format that it's in. And it's impacting a lot of lives. And it's just, it's really worth it at this moment. So I'm just trying to take it all in. And, you know, it's a pleasure to be here with you, man. But so what I would say as far as what people aren't asking me, because I, I don't even know how many interviews I've done thus far, <laughs> man. But, you know, right. something kind of obvious. Yeah. Nobody's asking me, you know, since I'm the quote expert, what are the things that I do? You know, what are the things, because there's a lot in the book, you know, what are the things that I do that I found to be most effective deal breakers, no matter what, these are the things that I implement in my own personal kind of sleep wellness regimen. And, you know, I'd be happy to talk about what those things are. Let's do that. Let's start there. And uh, I'm definitely going to share some of the things, a couple of things that I took out of your book that really just implemented in the past couple of weeks and man, I'm honest right now, I am sleeping like a champ. And it's just mm-hmm. the, a few strategies that I took out of your book have made such an unbelievable difference. But let's start with your key strategies that you do yourself. I think that's a great area to start with. Got it. Got it. Well, the first thing in the big headline, well, one of the big headlines with the book that you're going to hear in popular culture, but you guys heard it here first. <laughs> and it's this important understanding is that a great night of sleep starts the moment that you wake up in the morning. All right. A great night of sleep starts the moment that you wake up in the morning. So instead of, and I know, you know, especially in my younger years, just kind of pining around and not really even wanting to get up and just trying to spend as much time as I can fighting the alarm clock and hitting snooze. And just instead of really understanding that right now, and sometimes we'd get up and I know you've probably done this before, but you get up in the morning, it's like, I can't wait to go to sleep tonight. You know, <laughs> right. and what kind of life is that? Yeah. You know, what yeah. kind of life is that? And that's a clear indication that there's something really off with your life and with your sleep schedule in of itself. Because if you're feeling like that when you wake up in the morning, that's really a, a big symptom of a deeper issue. And so we need to get going and understand that I'm setting the template for how I'm going to sleep at night, what I'm doing in the morning. So something that is an absolute must that I do every single day. And there was a great study done, and I actually mentioned this before when we talked, I believe we talked about this, is that there was a study done by Appalachian State University, and they had exercisers to train at three different phases. So phase one, they trained at 7 a.m. in the morning exclusively. So they only worked out in the morning. In phase two of the study, they had them train at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. Then in phase three of the study, they trained at 7 p.m. in the evening. At the end of the study, they were able to see that when the people exercise in the morning, Their sleep cycles were more efficient. They spent more time sleeping. Actually, they got up to 75% more time in the deepest, most anabolic stages of sleep as well. And on top of all that, there was a 25% greater drop in their blood pressure at night when they exercise in the morning. And all that translates to an activation of your parasympathetic nervous system, which is the, quote, rest and digest system and a deactivation of your sympathetic fight or flight system, which for a lot of us, it's keeping us up at night in one way or another. So every single morning, no matter what, I'm getting in at least five minutes of some type of physical activity, some type of training. Most often for probably the last 10 years, except this last year, but 10 years prior to that, I've been a morning exerciser. So I'd get up in the morning and go to the gym or I do my training at home. And it's just kind of far back as I can remember in my healthy days. But this past year, I did an experiment because also if I'm writing this book, I need to know, is this going to affect anything? And I trained in the afternoon exclusively. And so this was pretty much between the hours of maybe 4 and 6 p.m., somewhere in that ballpark for maybe 45 minutes to an hour. And I would still do my 5 to 10 minutes of exercise in the morning. 
And it didn't impact my gains, my quote gains in the afternoon at all. As a matter of fact, I had a big uptick in in my strength, in my testosterone in the afternoon. Your core body temperature is going to be a little bit more elevated. Your reaction times are faster. All of that stuff was true. And my morning routine didn't affect that at all. And so getting that exercise in the morning is going to help you to sleep better at night. And one of the big fundamental reasons why is that it helps to essentially reset your hormone cycle. You know, because in the morning, a lot of us are tired because our cortisol is too low. But by getting up and just doing five to 10 minutes of activity, be that four minutes of Tabata, five minutes of body weight exercises, uh, jumping, I've got this mini trampoline in my office. I'm from here and I'm not going to the gym or it's not a lifting day. I'm just going to jump on that bad boy for 10 minutes, maybe listen to a podcast or an audio book or something. And so, and by the way, if you guys aren't using a rebounder or mini trampoline yet, you might want to think about it. NASA has actually come out and said this is the most effective exercise for human beings. And these are literal rocket scientists, guys. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, they kind of know some stuff. And what it is, is when you're pushing down on that surface, your cells are getting exposed to, you know, like 10 times more your body weight is pressing down on your cells. And then simultaneously, well, not simultaneously, but as a result, the next motion when you're coming up off of the trampoline, even if your feet don't leave the trampoline, for a moment, you're absolutely weightless. And this is this G-force that we get our body and our cells exposed to. So your cells are get basically your cells, let me just make this real simple. Your cells are doing push-ups. Every one of your upwards of 100 trillion cells are all doing push-ups of force and then no force, force and then no force. So it's very efficient at working the cellular material, moving your lymphatic system. And especially if you look at what's going on there with some really interesting things with body fat changes in the body fat composition are really interesting. And it's a low impact thing. So just something to consider. I didn't always going to talk too much about that, but so that's one of the deal breakers, no doubt about it. Every day I'm going to do some exercise when I wake up in the morning. Let me go back to that study you mentioned. And I, I think I have heard you talk about that before. What type of exercise was done in that particular study? Do you know if it was more like strength training or kind of uh, movement mobility, like body weight? Kind of general okay, so here's the here's the semi bad news, especially okay. for communities like we well, like we have. <laughs> Most of the studies out there on exercise related to diet, related to sleep, are based on cardiovascular exercise. Right, so we're talking about you know doing some cycling, jogging, walking, those kind of things. So that's what studies are mostly going to be surrounding. If you look at the impact on sleep, there are not very good studies out there right now on the impact that strength training has on our sleep quality uh, and also high intensity interval training too. I mean, I know firsthand experience that it's very effective for improving that, but as far as the research, because it, you know, it, it's very expensive to fund studies like this, but uh, right now it's still pretty vague, even though we know it experientially exercise to the popular culture for the last few decades has been centered around cardiovascular exercise. Got it. I did see one study that was fairly recent. I think it was back in the fall of uh, 2015. It did look at muscular strengthening, but it was basically a simple questionnaire around whether people exercised within the last 30 days and they drew a, a correlation and association between better sleep habits to the people that exercised and those who didn't. But it was Honestly, it was kind of a weak study because it was, yeah. you know, again, the association. And basically, if they just did any push-ups in the last 30 days, that would qualify as strength training. So, Right, right. And the really study. the gold standard with studies, and this is mostly what I use for Sleep Smarter, are the double-blind, placebo-controlled studies, you know, sure. and really looking at that gold standard as much as possible. But there's so many different things that, you know, in reality, especially when you are really operating at a high level in this field, you start to understand that we don't know anything. You know, there's so much more <laughs> yes. about human physiology, about food, you know, and studying like, you know, about probably half a decade now, I've been studying nutrigenomics. So what is our nutrition actually doing with our genes? And you start to understand like we just, we are barely scratching the surface, you know, and even talking about all the different nutrients that are in food. We probably know right now, maybe 20% what we're getting in food, actually. There's so much more to know, but that's the great thing about shows like yours and like mine is that for people who are interested and people who are affiliated with being great, you know, and having that drive to be the best version of ourselves and really motivated to learn 
And not just walking around like a human filing cabinet, though, like I've got all this information, but somebody who's putting things into practice, sure. that's what it's really about. And so, you know, there's so much more to learn. But right now, you know, especially with a book like Sleep Smarter hitting the, the major media and the, and the masses in a big way, it's really turning a lot of attention towards this kind of missed opportunity that we've had in the last few decades to radically improve our societies, not, not just our health and biomarkers there, but our appearance, you know, is really shocking how big of an impact sleep has on our fitness and our appearance. And by the way, so there's this, there's <laughs> too many studies actually to put in the book as far as this goes, but yeah. there was a study done by the University of Chicago. And what they did was they had these individuals in the study go on to this pretty strict kind of calorie restricted diet. And basically there's like 90 calories less or whatever than was recommended in order for them to lose weight. And so they had them to basically, they sleep deprived them and, and made them get five and a half hours of sleep on the first phase of this study. So again, they're on a very specific diet, sleep deprived them for five and a half hours, right? Now, the other phase of the study, same exact diet, eight and a half hours of sleep now. The result was 55% more body fat loss. Wow. All right. <laughs> no, not any more calorie cutting, not more exercise, just changing in their sleep. 55% body fat loss, not weight loss, body that's, fat. That's amazing. That's like, it doesn't even make any sense. That is so substantial. And for our modern man to kind of wrap their brain around this, our modern woman to wrap their brain around this, it's very difficult because it's like our world is, you know, hustle your face off, beat yourself down. Yeah pass out on the floor, you know, that kind of thing. And we get results. So, and also, of course, you know, there is a big component of that with success and with accomplishing goals is working hard for sure. But we have to understand that it's very difficult. It's kind of counterintuitive that we get so much more than we do with our exercise and with our nutrition by doing absolutely nothing. So this leads me to a really important point that I wanted to ask you about. What do you say to those people out there you know, we know those, those entrepreneurs, you know, the people that you just talked about that, you know, they want to work hard and, and do all the, the right things in their business or whatever. And they say, you know, Hey, I can get by on four or five hours of sleep a night and I'm good. That's all I need. I can't sleep more. If I sleep more, I'm, I'm overtired. What do you say to, to those people? I mean, I, I know those people, Yeah, you know? Yeah. I was actually, you know, <laughs> why, I'm able to speak from this perspective is I've been on so many different sides of this whole equation, you know, for a period there, I was keeping Tylenol PM in business, you know, when I was uh, dealing with my own health issues, which we've talked about back when, you know, my early twenties and my sleep was so disturbed that I had to, you know, take prescription medications and self-medicate with stuff over the counter just to stay asleep because my pain was so bad it would wake me up. You know, so I spent a lot of nights, a lot of years tossing and turning at night. And the big takeaway there is that if you're not sleeping, you're not healing. So I didn't even give my body the opportunity to get well. But of course, the people that know my story, ultimately, I was able to reverse the condition. And a big part of that was improving my sleep quality. Once my sleep got good and got dialed in, boom, it's like everything got better exponentially in every area of my life so much faster. And we all know this experientially as well. When we're tired everything sucks a little bit more, you know, like traffic's a little bit worse. Our family's a little bit more annoying. You know, work is a little bit harder. You got to kind of pick yourself up and, and try to motivate yourself instead of just feeling motivated naturally. You know, like everything is a, a little bit more struggle. But when you feel good, when you're well rested after a great night of sleep and you're just like, let's go, you know, like the whole right. day is just so ripe with opportunity. Relationships are better. You're more patient. You're more optimistic. Your ideas are right there. You know, you're so much more sharp. And this isn't just airy-fairy stuff. I know all of us have experienced this, but now we've got the data to back it up. Like this is actually the case. When we're sleep deprived, we're missing out on a huge, huge uh, leverage point as far as our brain function as well. And so one of the really fascinating things that I talked about in Sleep Smarter is looking at college students and how their performance in school the performance on tests when they're sleep deprived was equivalent to being high on marijuana or are drinking, right? And this is just like, what? So what else are we doing in our life where we're basically high and drunk? 
right. you know, right. uh, and especially driving. You know, I even talk about that driving while sleepy and how tired is the new vodka in a weird way. You know, they're basically, according to the National Highway Patrol and their statistics, approximately 100,000 accidents occur every year as a result of people simply being tired. You know, and a lot of times, though, many of these accidents are fatal because there is no swerving to get out of the way if people are falling asleep at the wheel, you know, but there are different levels of that. And just being sleep deprived can actually be equivalent to the legal limit of blood alcohol level. And there was a great study that was done by the Mythbusters, you know, and again, this isn't like a double blind placebo, but it's right there for everybody to see. They actually had to bring on uh, police officers in a closed course to monitor them. And they admitted all the crazy stuff they've done with that show. That was the most dangerous experiment they've ever done is driving while sleepy. Crazy stuff, man. That is crazy. Now, let me go back and ask you, how do you define sleep deprived? What is sleep deprivation? Is there a number? Well, this goes back to to the original question as well of can we really get by on this four or five hours of sleep? And so I'll just throw some statistics out to you. So number one, four hours of sleep is associated with about a doubling your mortality rate. So basically you're going to die twice as fast from pretty much every cause is going to be increased. So greater likelihood of heart disease, greater likelihood of cancer, greater likelihood of diabetes. All right. So doubling your risk of early mortality simply by getting four or less hours of sleep per night. And there's different studies that we cite in the book. And of course there are anomalies out there, you know, but for the most part, people living that life, they are, they're playing the short game. And it definitely catches up with them in a big, big way. And kind of the wall just, boom, comes out of nowhere and they hit it. And I lived that life as well. You know, especially I was eating really light. You know, I was just telling myself, you know, I don't need that much sleep. You know, I'm eating so clean and pure and I'm doing all these cleanses and, you know, and I don't need it. I don't need it. Well, in actuality, what happened to me? You know, eventually I hit a wall. Testosterone goes down. You start having a tough time getting out of bed in the morning, whereas before, four or five hours of sleep, I was solid to crush it all day. Yeah, You know, so again, walking in those shoes firsthand at a very, very deep, full-on level is another thing. You know, some people experiment with stuff. I live it, you know, oftentimes, (laughs) you know, I'll do experiments for a year or more. And so that's really important to understand that, hey, we're playing the short game when when we're living like that because ultimately, and so I cited some research in the book as well. It's really fascinating. This is a wonderful study that was conducted on what's happening with sleep deprivation and our telomere length. So our telomeres are essentially the greatest biological marker that we have for how long we're going to live, right? Okay. And Elizabeth Blackburn, I think this was in 2009, she won the Nobel Prize for the discovery of telomerase, which is an enzyme that can essentially add length back onto your telomeres, which basically is what anti-aging is, which is reversing the aging process, even if, because it's so crazy that we talk about this stuff, but it's actually, there's some real stuff, you know, we can actually get younger in a strange way. But for most of us, we're far from that. You know, as a matter of fact, uh, according to this particular study, and this was in chapter 11 in the book, we're talking about training and exercise and how that relates to sleep. It was so fascinating because they found that sleep deprivation is one of the biggest causes for accelerated loss of your telomere length. And so what is your, what is the telomeres for just for anybody who, who might not know about this yet? And you're going to hear more about this. Yeah. So your telomeres are basically the end caps, like kind of like the end caps on your shoelaces that keep them from fraying. Telomeres are like the end caps at the end of your DNA. And so every time there's, you know, like daily, there's going to be a little bit clipped off of different DNA strands. And so, but ultimately when it's totally clipped off, then your date, your DNA unravels and there's uh, senescence, there's program cell death. You're, you're basically dying, you know, and that program is now going to change to something else. Your body's going to start printing out different copies of you, older copies of you. All right. So what we want to do is protect our uh, telomere link from getting clipped off too fast. And so obviously diet has a big part to play with that. Dealing with chronic illness our exercise and all those different things. Exercise is actually a virtual fountain of youth because it's one of those things that radically slows down the aging process. And there's another study I cited as well. But the bottom line is sleep deprivation is one of the fastest ways to accelerate your aging. I don't know if you had the same experience as me, but when I was like 18 to 20 in college, like I was staying up late, doing all kinds of random stuff. And I still get up and go to class, pass my tests. Everything was okay. But like mid twenties, yeah. 
you know, for me, it was a little bit earlier in my 20s. I just hit a wall. Like, I just couldn't get it together. And all of a sudden, everything became so much more of a struggle. And I was a lot more tired. And I saw the physical transformation of an older person. As a matter of fact, my physician at the time, when I was diagnosed with the degenerative bone disease and uh, the issues with my spine, he told me that I had the spine of an 80-year-old person when I was 20, right? Those words were actually (laughs) spoken to me. And now, you know, my, you know, I just got a scan done probably about uh, maybe a year and a half ago was the latest one. Okay. And it looks like the age I should be, you know, like a 35 year old, 36 year old person's spine at the time, 35 years old. Yeah. And everything was all good. You know, it's like thumbs up. Everything looks normal. How is it possible to reverse that? You know, and that's really what we're really talking about here with optimizing our sleep, optimizing our nutrition, like you talk about on your show as well. And our exercise and also these other lifestyle factors that can either accelerate your aging process. And so for so many of us, last thing I want to say about this, so many of us are struggling with chronic diseases. I don't know if you know this, man, but I've been, you know, just being in clinical practice for over a decade and working with people and seeing all these chronic illnesses, man, I start to see this trend of younger and younger and younger people coming in on statins, on lisinopril, on metformin, you know, for diabetes. It's just like, what? What is going on here? All of these people are accelerating their aging process because they don't know how to live anymore. You know, it became very frustrating for me, but ultimately this was the birthing of my show, of the books, you know, of connecting with amazing people like yourself and really helping to change the, making it the exception and not the norm to be sick instead of what's happening now where it's the norm, you know? And so there's a big shift happening And I'm honored to say, and everybody listening, you guys are part of this as well. So what you're saying, I mean, it's really the total picture. It's, it's the things you talked about. It's nutrition, it's exercise, it's sleep, it's the lifestyle. I mean, that's really the, the ultimate solution to fix these chronic health issues. But sleep, I think, is really one of the most underrated, maybe undervalued components. You know, we talk about nutrition a lot. You know, we talk about exercise a lot. But I feel like sleep just doesn't get the attention it deserves. And, and maybe it will now, you know, with your book and as the message and all the great studies and information you have put together in this book, get out there. One thing that, and you kind of touched on this already, but the difference between quantity and quality. So maybe just talk about the difference there and why this is so important. Got it. Got it. And so um, also just one little quick thing Yeah. Uh, with that said is... Um, that study with the with the telomere loss, yeah, it's so important for us to look more into that and for people to be aware of this because this is going to be one of the things that becomes a hot topic out there in the interwebs and in popular culture and understanding the role of our telomeres. But you guys heard it here first if you don't know this already, but it was a University of California study and they found that sleep deprivation, again, is one of the single biggest triggers for accelerated loss of your telomere length. So you are, in fact, aging yourself faster <laughs> hey, when hey, you're not sleeping. Sean, let me just say this real quick before you get into this. So I am a scientific guy. I mean, I read scientific journals and things like that. I'm very, I feel like I'm kind of up to speed as, as much as I can be. And reading your book, that was the first I had heard about telomeres. So I was like, wow, this is really cool because I love the science, you know? Yeah. So you're right. I mean, this is, you know, people that are listening to this, like, this is the cutting edge of science and human physiology. So I, I love it personally. Awesome, man. Yeah. And you know, this, this book was written for, I mean, it's really written for everybody, you know, because of course it's very easy to understand and it's enjoyable to read. It's entertaining, but at the same time, it's especially for the practitioners it's for the people that are reaching other people, you know, like your audience. And I told you the story, you know, when I travel a lot, you know, people will come up to me and they're like, are you Sean Stevenson? And you know, it's like, and I'm even smiling about it now. Cause it's so it's so strange, you know, I'm not like Ashton Kutcher or whatever, whoever's famous. I don't know. Right, right. Ashton Kutcher, it was so random. I just thought about punked for a second. <laughs> but bottom line is, you know, somebody came up to me a little while back and they were like, are you Sean Stevenson? I'm just, of course, I'm like, you know, yeah. Hey, how's it going? And I'm thinking that, of course, they listen to my show. They're like, I heard you on the Ardella trading show. Nice. What's up? You know, and so and that actually cool. happened one other time too. And somebody, I think it was the first city I went on the book tour and somebody's like, I heard you on uh Scott's show. And so nice. um, that's awesome, man. it's so powerful, man. But yeah. here's the difference with the sleep quantity versus quality. Just like with anything, you know, let's give a good analogy, calories, right? I just talked with Jonathan Baylor yesterday. He's the author of The Calorie Myth. And this really weird 
obsession that our culture bought into fully, like no questions asked, this obsession on calories and people even doing these different calorie diets and losing weight, you know, with a Twinkie only diet. That has been done. The person did in fact lose weight, right? But the question (laughs) is, what happens to your hormones? You know, this idea that all calories are created equal, you know, and so you're radically disrupting your hormone function. You know, that a person like that, their leptin sensitivity is going to go down. Ghrelin's going to be out of whack. Their cortisol is going to be out of whack. Insulin, of course, obviously their insulin sensitivity is going to take a huge hit and their body's just going to get so discombobulated and they're going to end up with metabolic, I don't even know the word, metabolic death, you know, and so they're going to need like full on Superman has to make it, you know, like I'm going to need Superman to come back to life because you're, you're out of the game, you know? And so, and this happens a lot with these diet, I mean, not these diet shows, but these weight loss shows, right? Where they lose this insane amount of weight because of course they're like trying to win a million dollars or whatever it is. And they're cutting corners and man, more often than not, if you see the individuals who are on these shows later, you know, six months, a year, two years later, it's hard, man. It's so hard to see because they've destroyed their metabolism so much that nothing they are doing seems to work to keep the weight off. And they're just, they can't help it. And even trying to do the same thing that they did, because basically it's like putting the accelerator down to 160, you know, and just like hitting it, hit it full throttle. And you're doing that for a certain amount of time, whatever months that is. Can you keep that up without burning off your tires and messing up your engine and all these other things? You know, so I hope that that makes sense. So we've bought into the calories, but all calories are not created equal. What about the quality of those calories? What is it doing to your hormones? What is it doing to your enzymes? What is it doing to your body? Yes. With sleep, same, it's in the same vein, all right? Quantity does matter, but (laughs) the quality matters just as much, if not more. And so there are plenty of people. And so my, I never at one point in the book say you need to get some cookie cutter amount of hours of sleep. You know, you need to get eight hours sleep and you're solid because there are people who are sleeping for six hours, who are sleeping smarter, who are crushing it. Everything in life is going well, you know, and beyond, you know, there's complete re- reversed chronic illnesses. They're losing weight finally after struggling for years. So many great stories have been pouring in. But it's because even in that six hour mark, there's a scientific reason why I say that. Not just like, oh, you need to get seven, eight hours of sleep, you know, just because. Right. But bottom line is this, we need to get complete sleep cycles and our sleep cycles are about 90 minutes long. So four complete sleep cycles is about six hours of sleep. And then another 90 minute thrown on top of that is seven and a half hours, another 99 hours. So people tend to fall within that range of six to nine hours is what's generally going to be recommended, all right? And you can fall anywhere within that spectrum. And it just depends on you as an individual. And you got to find that out for yourself. But you've got to make sure that your sleep quality is up to par, that you're supporting your natural sleep cycles. And basically, you're not doing the Twinkie version and getting eight hours of crappy sleep where you've suppressed melatonin before you go to sleep. And it's not even kicking in until you're physiologically unconscious laying there on your bed for four hours that your melatonin is finally elevated and you're producing the human growth hormone, you're producing, you know, the testosterone, you're producing all the anabolic hormones to rebuild your body and reparative enzymes. All of that has been suppressed because you screwed up your sleep quality. And there are plenty of people, and there's even people listening (laughs) right now who are like, I get eight hours of sleep and I'm still tired. Like I still got to take a nap every day. Well, this is what today's episode is about as well, is like, what can we do to improve our sleep quality? Because that's where the real magic happens. All right. So this is a perfect lead-in where I'm going to actually share a couple simple things. And I'm going to really simplify what I did in the past couple of weeks since reading your book. All right. So, and, and this, again, this, this is about quality sleep for me because I kind of always had the numbers, you know, I'd go to bed at a certain time and wake up at a certain time each night, but my my quality wasn't as good as it's been in the past couple of weeks. So here's what I did after reading your book. I made the room darker, number one. I made the room or the upstairs. We have a split AC in our house. I made the upstairs cooler by a couple of degrees, made a huge difference. Mm. And the third thing I did, which is uh, shut down my computer before bedtime, a good hour before bedtime is, is where I'm at right now. And I, I don't really watch TV at night. I'm not a TV watcher, but I would 
watch or, or I would do be on the computer doing work, you know, writing or whatever until right before bed. So since reading your book and making these three simple changes, man, I'm telling you, I'm sleeping like a baby. <laughs> so, wow. so maybe you can expand on maybe the rationale behind these three things. And we, we did touch on some of this. I know you talked about the blue light. We had that conversation in yeah. the previous episode and it's after reading it now, like I, I really understand it so yeah. much better. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. And also, of course, this version of Sleep Smarter with Rodale is so much more uh, engaging and there's more depth to each of the the topics, you know? And so yes. let's start with that one. All right. Let's all right. start with the blacking out the room, getting the room darker. So first of all, in the book, I actually provide a Lux chart and showing it's not just the light itself. It's just the strength of the light, you know, the, the luminance, the strength, the power of the light, and also the color, which we'll come back to in just a moment. But it's not that all light is bad. You know, it's being dubbed light pollution now, the artificial light that we're exposed to in the evenings. Because humans, this is another like Captain Obvious thing. We know this, but <laughs> it's only been yeah. a couple of decades that we've been able to even have these technology devices available at night. You know, even 100, just 100 years ago, you know, if we look at the entire page of human, like Book of Humanity, like it might be, we'll just say it's a 100,000 page book for like, a quarter of one page at the very bottom, like by the number is have we have technology, you know, like we have today, you know, right. even a hundred years ago at night when the planet, when the lights go out on the planet, that's it. You know, you <laughs> might have some fire. You could light a lamp with some fire, yeah. but that's all you got, you know, but today we, we forget that we've not evolved with these things. And so our physiology, and so what they're calling this light pollution, it's not all light. And so right now, and since being so, <laughs> I've shared this very often as well, because I, right now I'm actually looking at my backyard and I closed my practice recently, a uh, very successful practice over a decade, but it's to focus on writing and, and focus on my show, focus on speaking and more traveling to meet with people face to face. But I closed my practice. And so now I'm just wow. kind of running from my home office yeah. and I'm looking out in my backyard and it's literally... Like there are just deers walking by, you know, like I'm kind of in the forest, you wow. know, wow. here in the Midwest. And so I got out of the situation I was in prior because of what I learned, you know, and it was a goal for me and I was able to hit that goal. But the artificial lights, you know, the the LEDs from the street lights, your neighbor's porch light, the car zooming up and down the street. There was a study done at Cornell University and they had the subject to sleep in an otherwise dark room. Like the room was totally dark. Except what they did was they put a fiber optic cable right behind the person's knee that was no bigger than the size of a quarter. And that was enough to keep their body, their core body temperature elevated and to suppress their, their hormones, their sleep hormones, all right, just from that tiny light behind their knee, all right? Wow. So we've got to understand your body has not evolved with any exposure to light in the evening. And so even a little bit of exposure can disrupt your sleep cycle. So this is why blacking your room out and keeping the artificial light out of your room is important. If you live in an area where you're not dealing with that stuff, moonlight is all good. You know, you're again, humans have evolved with exposure to that. And if you look at the Lux chart, it's almost nothing. It's, it's almost negative how impactful it is on your body and a negative in a good way. You know, it has a negative impact versus the more positive, powerful, hard hitting impact of sunlight, for example. And so Here's the deal. And here's how this evolves with, so blacking our room out can immediately, and that was the first thing personally that I did many years back that I instantly noticed an improvement in my sleep quality was when I was living in the city right. that when I blacked my room out, wow, I slept so good. It was crazy. <laughs> like I just woke up yeah. like, oh, I can't believe that just happened, you know? Right. And so that's one thing. And then the, the next thing you mentioned, well, let's transition that to the more appropriate one, which is the getting off the computer an hour before bed and that impact that that's having. Yeah. yeah. So Harvard researchers found that not all light, even exposure in the evening is created equal. What people that are talking about now in popular lexicon, especially people who tuned into a show like this, they might've already heard about this blue light issue that we're dealing with, with our tech devices. And so there's so many different colors that are coming from your device right now. If you're looking at a laptop or your iPhone or whatever it is, or next time you're watching TV, you see this amazing array of colors, you know, all these different pixels are displaying all these different colors. So you can't 
see that the most the strongest light that's coming and hitting your body if you if we were able to make the room dark and somebody and just walking by and you see the TV yeah. uh, hitting somebody's skin you'll see that they're kind of glowing this blue color this bluish white color and it's because that blue light spectrum is the most troublesome and kind of equivalent to sunlight like that blue light spectrum is getting close to you moving into the blues and the ultraviolet so it's signaling to your body that it's daytime in a strange way and it's telling your body to produce more daytime hormones namely cortisol simply being on our device at night is telling our body to suppress melatonin and produce more cortisol because melatonin and cortisol have an inverse relationship so when cortisol is elevated your melatonin is in the basement and so the Harvard researchers found that, wow, it's not all light that's created equal. And by the way, the blue light exposure can suppress your melatonin for about three hours, right? So again, we're closing down the laptop or turning off the TV and then going to bed. You can uh, physiologically, you know, there's a difference between going to sleep and passing out, you know? So you can be unconscious, but your melatonin is not uh, elevated and you're not going to be repairing your body. Right, so again, right. that's why we're waking up tired. And so here's what's going on with the different colors of light. So they found that Blue light was two times more suppressive to melatonin and disruptive to your sleep cycles than green light was, right? And so they also found that red light in particular was negligible. Like it had almost no impact on your melatonin secretion as far as suppressing it. It allowed melatonin to be produced naturally. And again, what colors have we been exposed to through evolution is the more reddish orange tint in the evening if we are, you know, are just understanding the role that fires play with our evolution. And so- this speaks to two different things. Number one, the best strategy here is get off of your device. Give yourself a screen curfew to allow your hormones to get back on track and for you to get great sleep. You know, we stopped getting ready for bed. Right. We get ready for work. We get ready to go to the gym. We get ready for a date. We're not getting ready for bed anymore. We're just kind of stumbling into it. Yes. All right. So creating another, a new evening ritual, a success ritual, is going to make your next day even more powerful. You know, we can start doing that. Or, of course, there are hacks. And so this is another one of the unbreakable things for me. Is we, uh, what we kind of started the show with is um, every evening I rock my blue blocking uh, sunglasses, basically. <laughs> they're, but they're night glasses, you okay. know. And so these glasses, the ones that I wear, are specifically uh, designed to wear in the evening to block out that blue spectrum of light that's most troublesome and suppressive to melatonin. And man, let me tell you, these bad boys work. I, they work so well. And of wow. course, over the process of writing the book, there were a couple of late nights, Yeah, you know, even though I'm writing Sleep Smarter. But the thing <laughs> right. was, it was in the very, very minority when those things happened. But sure, by sure. wearing those glasses, it was, it's sort of like, <laughs> it's sort of like protection for your, the ITV sex that happens, right? <laughs> so make sure you wear protection, yeah, you know, right, when right. your eyes are having sex with the screen, right? <laughs> and these, and, you know, in the book, I'm uh, reference people to the uh, Sleep Smarter resource guide and you know, I share all of my, the things that I use personally as well. And I've experimented with so many, man, I've got a collection of glasses upstairs and these are the only ones that I've found to be truly effective. And actually last night I was taking my son and we were brushing our teeth before I put him to bed and I took him off just to look at, because there's a pretty bright light in his bathroom and I'm just holding these glasses up and just marveling at the fact that these orange tinted shades are like the lenses are blue. Because that light is hitting them and the light isn't penetrating and making its way through the lenses. Right. You know, right. super powerful. And by the way, last thing, yeah. grab iPhone here. I don't know. Do you know about the new update with the iPhones? No, I don't think so. Okay. All right. All Check right. this out. So okay. uh, whoever has a, a newer iPhone, the latest update, the iOS update comes with, and this is, you know, it's serious when Apple is doing some stuff and they've actually installed something called Night Shift that pulls out the most troublesome spectrum of light from your phone in the evening. Really? Right? Wow. It's built into the iPhone, man. Oh, wow. All right? So <laughs> again, wild. guys, please understand this stuff. Before our laptops, our um, desktops, there's an amazing app. Everybody should download this app. It's called Flux, F.L-U-X. I've been using it for many years. And it pulls out the most troublesome spectrum, suppressive colors from your screen automatically by itself based on the time of year when it gets dark where you are, and then it puts it back onto your screen when the sun comes up in your area, all right? And it does this automatically, and you can easily turn it off or disable it. It's super easy app. I love it, and it works, all right? So make sure that when you're having the eye 
screen sex wear protection. <laughs> now, let me let me ask you about that because you did mention this before in the uh, previous interview. So, do you prefer the glasses, Sean, or do you prefer to use Flux if you're going to do computer work specifically? I do both, man. I'm putting on two. You know, I'm really? putting on two forms of protection. Wow. You know. Wow. Just to make sure nothing is going to go haywire. But no, here's the, this is the thing is that the computer is one thing, but what about the, the lights in your office? You know, what about, you know what I'm saying? There's yeah, so much yeah, yeah, sure. of this other kind of artificial quote light pollution that we're dealing with. It's not to be too neurotic, but you know the difference when you do these things, you notice the difference in your sleep quality and you're going to show up better the next day. You're going to be more effective. You're going to be more productive. Your training is going to be better. Everything in life is better. When you do these simple things to make sure that your sleep is optimized, because ultimately your body is changing from all of these great things we're doing during the day, be it building memories and the memory processing that happens during REM sleep to your body laying down more powerful muscle tissue, you know, because when you go to the gym and work out, you're literally in worse shape after you work out than when you walked in the gym. Sure. You know, you're breaking your body down. You're creating micro tears in your muscle fibers. You get better from that workout when you're sleeping. Yes. Absolutely. You know? And so yep. it's that's just the name of the game, you know? And again, you can skate by and kind of get by and kind of trick the system when you're a little bit younger, but you're accelerating your aging process, you know? Well, that's why I was saying I think that sleep is kind of so underrated because, you know, the people that listen to the show, they're into training. You know, we talk about training. People are training hard. You know, they might be eating well. And maybe their sleep is really, really bad. So if you're not doing that, if you're not maximizing your sleep, then you're, you're not maximizing your results and certainly interfering with your health and so many other things. So huge, huge component to the, uh, this health and fitness equation here, without a doubt. Definitely, definitely. And just to, to wrap up the last point of the, the things that you notice in, in changing the temperature. Yes. So what's going on there? Well, Wow. Your body, there's a process called thermal regulation that your body undergoes all the time. You know, in popular culture, and I know I thought this for many years myself, that, you know, you, the human body should be at 98.6 degrees. Well, that's just an average. And your body, your body temperature fluctuates a lot throughout the day. You know, based on the time of day, your body temperature actually changes just because of the time of day. All right. And also because of the activities you're doing and different things like that. And so in the evening, and this is looking at biological or uh, evolutionary biology and understanding humans have been having this process happen forever. And so in the evening, thermal regulation naturally lowers your core body temperature upwards of like a degree to help to facilitate better sleep. Because it's sort of like if you've got a fever, and your body is just like trying to cook something. Other processes are getting shut down because your body is running so hot, you know? And so if you're running hot in the evening, simply because you're not helping to facilitate this drop in core body temperature because you have the environment too hot or you're wearing too many clothes to bed, you're essentially blocking or blunting the production and the certain functions in your body from happening, you know? So Again, the hormone secretions, reparative enzymes, all of these different things that are trying to process, if you're running too hot, it gets suppressed, right? So, and of course, there's different studies that we talk about in the book, but bottom line, I just kind of want to get to the point with this one, which is be cool in the evening. We definitely want to sleep in a cooler environment. And for some people that are, their bodies tend to run a little bit colder. It's not saying that you have to freeze, you know, your tootsies off. You don't have to do that. You can definitely still use your cover, use your blanket, but you can kick those things off if you get too hot. And But you want to make sure that you're not wearing too warm of clothes to bed. That's one thing. And also just according to the research, the optimal room temperature for great sleep is between 60 degrees and 68 degrees. Wow. Right? So for some people, it might seem like Frosty the Snowman right. time, you know, Jack Frost. It might be a little nippy, they're thinking, but yeah. guaranteed, everybody knows this. You know, when you've got that cool bedroom and snuggle up in the blanket, you tend to sleep a little bit better. But if you're hot, tossing and turning, it's just gross. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. Right. You know, so, but there's science to back up why that is that your sleep is going to be crappy, you know, if your body's running too hot. So cool off your sleeping environment a little bit and you're going to get great, better sleep just from that one thing. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. 
Let's uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about sleep and athletic performance. So since this is a strength training podcast here, what did you find out in writing your book? And you mentioned some top level athletes, LeBron James, Roger Federer, Usain Bolt. What do we know about these athletes and, and sleep? Yes. Well, I actually quoted Usain Bolt in the book and, you know, this guy being the fastest man in history, he's made sleep a part of his training program. All right. Sleep is a part of his training program. And he actually said that sleep is extremely important to me. I need to rest and recover in order for the training I do to be absorbed by my body. You know, so this guy really gets it. You know, he gets that the training that you're doing is actually your body is changing and getting better while you're asleep. And so uh, people like him. Yeah. LeBron James, as you mentioned, Michelle, we, you know, they're averaging, you know, they're making sure they're getting like nine plus even 10 hours uh, of sleep per night. And again, it's not about the quantity as much, but it does matter, especially if you're training like that, automatically you're going to need more sleep. You're going to require more sleep. So that's one of the big takeaways is that a lot of elite athletes actually utilize this as a part of their training program. And so there's really, really great studies that I cite in the book, but one of them was done and it was uh, Stanford. It was Stanford University. And so, I mean, there's so many, again, there's so many amazing studies that I couldn't even put into the book, but the one done by Stanford was just kind of jaw dropping for me when they had the athletes and this was a basketball team that they monitored to basically, you know, a lot of college programs and, you know, me going to a university and seeing this firsthand, getting up early in the morning to train and then go to class and then more training afterwards. So instead of having more practice, they had them to get more sleep. And here's the results that happened. So after increasing the amount of sleep that the athletes got upwards of, and so the average was about eight and a half hours sleep, whereas many of them before were getting around seven or less hours of sleep per night. The athletes, and again, all they did was increase the sleep, all right? So they tested them prior to and then after. So after the athletes were getting more sleep, they ran significantly faster and the players actually shaved on average, one full second off of their sprint time, right? One full second change by getting more sleep. And their shooting performance improved as well. So their performance at the free throw line and three-point line improved by approximately uh, 9% uh, respectively for both of them. So again, simply from getting more sleep. And some of the other stuff they reported was, you know, less fatigue, less daytime sleepiness, things you would automatically understand, but also they reported more of a positive mood and optimism during practice and, and in the games. Games is kind of easy, but practice, you know, as Alan Iverson would say, practice (laughs) to be pumped up for that, you know, and to be uh, giving your best and be optimistic and to have a positive mood. Sometimes it doesn't happen, but they saw all of those things increase or improve from their sprint times to their shooting, to their overall mood and demeanor simply from increasing their sleep. So there it is in black and white. You know, we can literally show up better and perform better by optimizing our sleep. That is a tall list of benefits for the athlete. (laughs) I'm curious, are you aware of any other kind of related studies? I'm sure they're probably looking at things like that. I I didn't know if there was anything else that you're aware of that was looking at athletic populations. Oh yeah, man. I mean, there's so many different studies. And again, it was kind of difficult to to cite all of them in the book itself. But I mean, if you look at, there was a study done by the Journal of Clinical Sleep Medicine. And I really like, again, the gold standard placebo-based, placebo-controlled double-blind studies. But in the, the Journal of Clinical Sleep Medicine had a really, really great study. And they looked at the impact that exercise actually had on sleep quality. All right. So And this study was done on people with insomnia. And I'm just trying to make sure that I'm saying the right journal. I'm pretty sure. Matter of fact, I know for a fact, it's got to be the Journal of Clinical Sleep Medicine. That's that's definitely the one. And I always like in this, you know, a big part of my research is being able to go and double check me. You know, (laughs) don't just listen to the expert, but go and you can actually find out this stuff for yourself. And it's pretty jaw dropping, but it can be a little bit arduous for people to thumb through and to read and to uh, some of the mundane language that are in a lot of these studies. And so that's why I made it much more engaging and colorful in the book. But bottom line, in this study, they did a study on insomniacs and they use a polysonogram. And so basically they're attaching them. They've got all the wires on them. All right. So they look like Spider-Man just hit them with a web, like, 
and then they've got all the wires coming off of them. They got to sleep like that. And so what they found was so interesting is that these insomniacs, simply from adding in an exercise regimen on a consistent basis, they had a 55% improvement in their sleep onset latency. So basically they fell asleep 55% faster. They had a 30% decrease in their total wake time during the test. And they also had an 18% increase in their total sleep time. Okay. And so basically, and again, this is not from a pill. This is not from taking a pill or, you know, some late, the latest drug, the latest, whatever. This is simply from adding an exercise. They were able to get these results. You can't get a pill that's that effective without the side effects, except you're sleeping better, you know? And so this really speaks to the fact that adding in some smart exercise, even for people who are struggling mightily with sleep in the right way, you know, we already talked about a little bit of that and where to time things, but this can really help people who are struggling with depression, who are struggling with insomnia. We know this, we've seen the research, you know, and it's pretty thick that absolutely, this is a part, this is the thing that our genes expect us to do. You know, your genes expect you to exercise. Your genes expect you to walk. Your genes expect you to lift heavy things, at least occasionally. You know, That's what brings out the highest genetic example, the highest genetic potential that we all have is simply doing the things that our genes expect us to do. So I hope that that was another good one to kind of add to the mix and understanding like, you can get some pretty dramatic improvements. And again, a 55% improvement in sleep onset. And basically in that study, it was the people who are clinical insomniacs, their stuff was matched up pretty much exactly as somebody who doesn't have insomnia, simply from adding in some exercise. That's amazing. Actually, you stole one of my questions. I was going to ask, what's your key advice for people that are dealing with insomnia? So exercise, it sounds like would be that key advice. Yeah. And so both, it goes both ways, you know, the sleep impacts the exercise and exercise impacts the sleep. So I kind of wanted to make that distinction. And the research did show also that when an individual is sleep deprived, it's harder. They're less likely to exercise the next day, you know, so it kind of, it goes hand in hand. You've got to sure. get one going. You've got to yeah. muster up the courage and energy just to exercise consistently for amount of time while your body sorts out that kind of hormonal chaos that was going on while you were sleep deprived for so long, you know, dealing with clinical insomnia, for example, you know, and so you got to get yourself going and create those new templates, create that new pattern, that daily success ritual that we've been talking about and nightly success ritual so that your body can do the things that it already knows how to do. You know, you're not broken, you know, things are just a little bit out of sorts right now, but your body can definitely heal itself if you create the right conditions for it to do so. All right. Now here's a question. I don't know if anybody has asked you, but how do you remember all these studies? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I've been talking about this stuff for, you know, several years now, you know? Yeah. And it's so crazy. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's like the matrix or anything, but there's just so many amazing, it's part of a big part of it. And for everybody listening is yeah. passion, Sure. you know, sure. and when you are truly passionate about something, you can it, it's like it's imbued into learning, you know? And so the research actually shows that when you're passionate about a subject matter, you learn it faster Damn. and it becomes more of a part of your short term. And then of course, translate into your long-term memory. But you guys know this and this happened to you too, Scott, you know, we're taking a test, you know, we got a test in college and we're studying all night and we do a brain dump yeah. the next day. And then we never remember any of that stuff ever again for the rest of our lives, you right, know? right. And it's because we know we're, t- we're taught all this stuff that is completely useless, you know, for our, for our lives, really, you know. And so just to kind of get out there on a, on a little bit of um, some interesting stuff. But and again, I didn't know I was going to mention this, but, yeah. you know, if you even listen to the name, you know, university, this used to be in the guild or just kind of this place where you go to learn about the universe, you know. And today I was actually studying uh, some stoicism, you know, the stoics. Yeah. And all of these great teachings on how to live a, a healthy life and a virtuous life and to be educated and to be giving and to be intelligent, you know. And we once were taught about how things actually work and not just focusing on, oh, you need to learn about, you know, math, science and English for you to be able to get a job, you know. But we've lost track with why it matters, you know. And so I remember being in my university classes in biology and there was no connection to myself. You know, when we're talking about cells, we're not actually talking about us. We're not really making that connection. Sure. And it's not necessarily the fault of the teacher. It's the way that the system is set up. 
But the great teachers can relate those sometimes abstract things to your life and make it a part of you and make it make it so that it's something that becomes a passion or at least a deep, deep interest and in something you care about. And that's really what I'm hoping to communicate today and, and having your audience to walk away with is that, you know, your sleep matters and you matter. And the more that you can shift gears a little bit and add in a smart sleep strategy, the more effective your training is going to be, the more effective your relationships are going to be, the more effective your work's going to be, and the more fruitful your life is going to be overall. Yeah. I mean, you just described it beautifully because if you think of sleep, how it affects every other area, it's like a spider web, right? You know, if you have good quality sleep, you're going to be a better person. And that's, you know, the way that you wrote this book is kind of the way I felt about the book that I wrote, The Edge of Strength. And I, I couldn't help but when I started reading it, I'm like, man, he's really passionate about this topic. Just like I'm very passionate about strength and how I feel that that can help people and impact people in very similar ways that sleep does. And uh, like you said, passion goes a long way. And, yeah. you know, that's why these studies stick, you know, you can just talk about all the science, this great science, because it makes a difference. Absolutely. Um, so let me ask you, what has been the impact of the book so far? It's been out a couple of weeks now. I'm sure the, uh, the feedback has been just incredible. I mean, I'm here right now to say this book is really, really amazing and it belongs in the hands of every person listening. And I, I really mean that because it can make such a difference, but what's been the feedback so far? You've been out there doing the book tour and all that. How's, how's that going? Man, I, I it's kind of <laughs> hard to talk about this, man. It's, um, to be able to, you know, to go on this book tour and to, to meet the people, to hear the stories. And of course, over the past couple of weeks since the book has been out and just, I have no words for it, you know, and I knew that this was something special. I knew that this was timely. It was something that our society needed right here in this moment. And I fought for that early on, even when I'm talking with all these different agents and publicists and and um, publishers for the book, you know, but ultimately, you know, my my publisher, Rodale, they're the really the biggest voice in wellness books. And so they saw the vision and really helped support that. And so, you know, seeing the the pictures online. And so, of course, people could check me out on Instagram as a hashtag sleep smart. And you could see the people all over the country, you know, with the book and at the different bookstores, you know, to see my book when you walk in Barnes and Noble, you know, right there. And it's featured at like maybe 300 stores in major markets, but not every store, but just to be able to see that and seeing that people are immediately drawn to it, like sleep smarter. I need that. You know, it's just kind of like a lot of us know deeply that it matters, but, you know, to be able to see this firsthand, you know, I knew, again, I knew that this was something special, but the stories, the feedback has been absolutely overwhelming. And to the degree, even just your story, you know, like you sharing that with me before we even got on the interview today, how powerful that is. Somebody who's already excellent, excellent in the realm of health to add value to them. And then for that to be, because everybody in your community is going to get benefited by that because you're showing up even just 1% better, you know? And so it's been remarkable. And my biggest mission right now is to enjoy the process and to not be jaded when I hear all these stories, you know? So when I heard your story, like I really (laughs) took it in, like, man, that's so amazing. You know, thank you so much for sharing that, Scott. It really did mean a lot, you know? And so it's been a constant, I'll tell you this. I used to think I was busy, you know, but (laughs) this, the game has changed so much since the book has come out, you know? And so- Um, but I'm being very structured with my time and spending a very specific amount of time each day to interact with people and to reply to as many messages that I, as I can, but they're coming in like tidal waves. And it's because this is a fundamental thing, you know, even weight loss, you know, people have been struggling with weight, you know? And so I've been out talking about this stuff for quite some time, especially doing the episodes of my show about it. And, you know, someone coming to me and, and sharing a 70 pound weight loss or hundred pound weight loss and saying that, you know, getting better sleep and getting over the sleep apnea they were dealing with was a huge part of that, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, at first I, it was going to be even hard for me to talk about, but now I'm just, I'm smiling and I'm very grateful to be able to be a part of this, you know, because this is much bigger than I am. So, but yeah. it's been amazing so far. Well, that's awesome. And congratulations. I'm, I'm really happy for you and your success. And I've seen some of the social media things. And like I said, I, I mean, it. it's really, really an unbelievable book. So people, your main website, Sean, is uh, the health, the model, the model health show. show. Yep. It's at the model health And of course the top rated uh, model health show podcast 
is totally awesome. If you haven't heard that, I recommend uh, checking that out as well. Now I'm going to do something different here. And I always ask for the guests to give closing advice. And I ask them to give one action to take away from the interview today. I think we talked about a lot of great things and some specific strategies, a lot of great science and a lot of actionable things, but I actually want to do something I've never, ever done before. And I want to give the action as we close things down. And I want to recommend that everybody who is listening, go get this book. And I've never, ever done this on a show and I didn't have this planned or anything, but I feel so strongly that this book can help anybody improve sleep, improve health, improve performance. And I, I really, really recommend this book. So the big action is to go get this book because we had this interview, Sean, months ago. And you know now I got the new book and I read it. And then I took away these strategies in the past couple of weeks. And again, I see the difference it's made in, in my sleeping patterns. And uh, it's just incredible. So I just, I hope that people will go out and get it and then take away at least a couple of these strategies. You know, there's 21 strategies. There's a lot of things to do that people can take action with from the book. And there's no doubt that people are going to get a tremendous value from the book. So that's the action guys. Go get the book, sleep smarter. But I will ask you if there's anything you want to say in closing. <laughs> oh man. Wow. This is Scott. I mean, even for you to say that, and this yeah. being the first time you've done that on the show, thank you so much. Absolutely. And that speaks Absolutely. volumes. And uh, the only thing would be to definitely, yeah, guys, just um, stay connected. And Scott is just an amazing human being. So just keep connected with him. Keep consuming the amazing information that he's putting out. You can also check me out. So it's themodelhealthshow.com. And as he mentioned, so right now today, the show is number one in the country on iTunes, which is bananas. <laughs> but, and of course, people awesome. can find Sleep Smarter at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or your local Barnes & Noble store. If they happen to be out of stock, which some stores have been sold out because again, the book just came out, just demand, like look wow. them in the eyes, like, look at me. Nice. I'm the captain now. <laughs> Get the book back in the store. <laughs> and of course you can also, we've got a couple of bonuses at sleepsmarterbook.com that people can check out. And Scott, again, just appreciate the work that you're doing. And as always, man, great talking with you. And thank you so much for having me on. You got it, Sean, my pleasure. And guys, thank you so much for joining us this week. Be sure to take action and apply something you learned in this week's show. Go get the book, and we will see you next time on the Ardella Training Podcast. Take care. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast this week. And if you'd like to become part of the Ardella Training community, be sure to go to ardellatraining.com forward slash join to get your free training mistakes guide, which contains 12 critical training mistakes I made through the years. I know this 36-page guide will save you time and frustration and accelerate your training results. And it's free. You'll get that and so much more at ardellatraining.com forward slash join. Hope to see you there.